Jerry for uh, the opportunity. Never have to never have to beg. If you need somebody to preach, I love doing it. So I will always gladly help out anybody that needs it. <clears throat> uh, I do have a prayer request. I knew I was going to get to speak, so I didn't raise my hand. I've got some. Uh, I've got a young man in uh, my Sunday school that's uh, going through some a pretty rough time with his with his parents. He's got uh, some situations going on. I can't. I can't give you a name and I can't tell you the situation, but it's pretty bad. Uh, got to deal with him a lot. We just came back from church camp and uh, <clears throat> I got to spend the week with him and kind of try to help him the best I can. Did you guys quit at 10:45? Is that what you? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, anyway, uh, but he uh, he's struggling real bad and he needs prayer. He's a young man. He's around 13 years old. And he's got a sister and a younger brother and uh, my heart's really burdened for him right now. And we have a y- another young man that surrendered to preach this week and uh, <clears throat> a little nervous for him. Uh, I've t- already told him he's going to, I'm going to give him time in our Sunday school class every other Sunday to just get him used to talking in front of people. But if you got your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3. If you was here, uh, last time I was here, we went through Philippians chapter 2. We talked about uh, uh, the unity over uniformity and the importance of having a, a submitted mind to Christ. Uh, in chapter 2, it talks about, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That is uh, the, uh, the theme of the book, if you will, is a submitted mind. When you get over to chapter 3, he, uh, he starts talking about... Uh, the flesh, he says in, in verse 1, and I, this isn't where we're going to be. I'm just going to get you some context. He says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. He says, Beware of the dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. He goes on, he talks about his, his pedigree. And the, the, when he says in verse 2, he says, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers. He's actually talking about the Judaizers. Uh, if you study your Bible, you'll find in this, uh, in this time period there were individuals that uh, they called themselves Judaizers, and they were known as Judaizers. They, they tried to add law to, to, to the saving grace of God, and they, they, they said that, well, we still have to keep the law, and we still have to uh, do all of these things. And Paul's saying that uh, there's, there's no confidence in our flesh, and then he goes on and he tells his own pedigree. He says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh, that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh. He says, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law. And he says he's blameless. He, he's saying if you're worried, if you think that your flesh is good, he says, look, mine is, mine is perfect. I've done all of the law. I've kept the law at the best of my ability. I, I have this pedigree. I've done all that I'm supposed to do. But then he goes on, he says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. And he says that the, there's no... There, there's no power in our flesh. There's nothing good that comes from it. And then as you go on down, we're going to be, we're going to look in verses 12 through 16. He's, he, he continues on and he talks about our Christian walk. Paul was a, a sports enthusiast. Okay, I, if Paul was, if Paul was living in our day and age, I would almost be certain that he would follow some big sports team and he was probably would probably be interested in in the sports world because throughout the bible we find that he he equates a lot of christian truths and to sports to running races and to things of that nature when you find verses 12 through 16 let's read it quickly it says not as though i had already attained Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. 
Brethren, I count my not, myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. If in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Paul, he, <clears throat> we know, and I've read a lot of commentaries and, and a lot of things on this section of the uh, Philippians, and it, there's two distinct things that Paul is known for. We have Paul the accountant, where he weighs the debts and the balances of, uh, of the flesh versus the saving grace of Christ, and then we have Paul the athlete. Paul the athlete. That's what I'm interested in today. The, the, Paul is saying that hey, there, there's something to this Christian life and something to propel us forward, but as an athlete, there's some things that we have to do to prepare ourselves for it. You see, as an athlete, a professional sports individual or somebody, a weight trainer, they don't, they don't get great at what they're doing by just stepping in and being like, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to be great at it. No, there's some steps. There's some things that we have to do to get better and, and to better ourselves and to, and to become better at whatever it is we're doing. I believe that Paul gives us five things right here. Five things that he does that, that would make him a better Christian or make us a better Christian or make us stronger in the Lord. In verses 12 through 13, I'm going to read it again. It says, Not as though I'd already attained. Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. The first thing that I see is dissatisfaction. Never be satisfied with where your spiritual walk is. Here, here, here's the problem with Christians. We think that, uh, we, think that we get to a certain uh, uh, goal line, if you will, or we, we reach a certain height, and we think, Lord, I've arrived. I don't, I don't have to continue on anymore. And Paul's saying, no. He, Paul, could we argue that Paul was probably one of the greatest Christians? Could we argue that? And I, I, I'm, I, obviously, I can't say that for a fact because I don't know. But according to God's word and the examples that I have to, to follow, I would say that Paul is probably the greatest Christian. He says, not as though I had already attained. He says, I have not arrived. This is, this is Paul. This is the guy that, that he, in chapter 1, he says, that I would rather die and go to Christ, but it's more profitable for you that I stay here. He's the one that says, he's the one that says, I, I, I don't want to be here. I want to go to be with Christ, but I will do the will of God, whether it's pain, whether it's suffering. He says, I haven't attained. That shows me that Paul's not satisfied with where his spiritual walk is. We cannot get to a place where spiritually we, we, we think that, well, I've, I've officially arrived, or I've, I've gotten through this, this, uh, this, this hurdle or this sin in my life, and I've, I've set aside this weight in my life, so I'm, I'm good now, I'm okay. No, that's not how it works. Uh, Christianity, we should always be progressing. We should always be moving forward in our Christian walk. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be stagnant. We shouldn't get to a place where we, where we can't continue on for God. We should always be in a state of learning. <clears throat> we have to get to a place where we don't compare ourselves to others. It is good for us to not be satisfied with where we are, but it is wrong for us to look at somebody across the way and say, well, I want, I'm better than they are. Or look at somebody and say, well, I want to be where they are. That's not right. That is not, that's not what God wants. 
the Bible, and we're going to talk about it in James this morning. He talks about the, the Word of God is like a mirror. It, it shows us who we are. and We should be comparing ourselves to this, not the people that sit around us and they go to church with us or go to other churches. Our walk is not determined upon them. The, we cannot look at the people around us and expect to get to where we're going. When he, he talk, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself. He says, I press toward the mark. I press towards the mark. I'm looking at something bigger than everything else that's going on around me. I'm, I'm looking at Christ, the picture that Paul, the, the believe, the theologians believe that this chapter right here, he's talking about a chariot race. A chariot race in the, old, in the Bible times would be, it was very physical. They would have to they'd lean over a certain way and try to hold on to the chariot as they're guiding these horses forward. And, the, and from what I understand, they had to keep their eyes where they were going as if you were driving a car because they would have very small areas to, to, to race on. And if they veered off course, they would completely fall. We have to keep our mind on Christ. Not the people around us, but we also we have to honestly evaluate ourselves. Honestly evaluate where we are. I'm going to talk about this more in the morning service, but the, the Bible is our mirror. The Bible is what, it, it illuminates the sin and the errors in our life, but we have to be able to honestly evaluate where we stand. If we're going to be dissatisfied with our spiritual walk, knowing that we have not attained, we haven't made it. We have to get to a place where I can open God's word and honestly evaluate the individual that I am. It's not about, it's not about me getting to a place where, where people uh, look at me as a, as a figure to follow. And it's not about uh, the pride that, come, that could come from being a better Christian. It's about serving God and being a cleaner vessel for him so that he can use me in his service and in his, his desire and his will and bring glory to his name. That's the reason we press forward. <clears throat> Secondly, in verse 13, the latter half, he says, But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Second thing is devotion. Devotion. A lot of times Christians, we like to, well, not even Christians, people, if we try to pick up a, a new sport or or pick up a new task. We want to learn it all at one time. The thing is, is if you're gonna, if you would ever compete in a, a higher level of anything, I I, I can speak to. Uh, I was a sniper in the army. If anybody needed to know, I'm not saying that for my for pride or anything like that. To become a sniper, I had to be good at a bunch of individual things, a bunch of individual things. But you don't learn all of those individual things at one time. Christians need to learn to focus on one thing at a time. I have Bible for this. In Mark chapter 10, verse 20, 21, Jesus says, One thing thou lackest. In Luke 10, 42, one thing is needful. John 9, 25, one thing I know. Psalms 27, 4, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek, that will I seek after. One thing at a time. In the Old Testament, the, uh, Jesus, or, uh, God told the Israelites when, that he would not drive the heathen out of the land all at once, but little by little, lest the beast of the field come and overtake the land. So here's the thing. When somebody gets saved, do they, 
next day or next moment have it all figured out? No. They don't have it all figured out. Okay, so you get saved, do you immediately have every sin, every sin problem, every, every ordeal in your life that, you, that you're struggling with? Is it just gone? No. Does God have the power to do that? Yes. And I think that there is a lot of times in certain individuals, I think that God can save a drunk and he can be stone cold sober from that point immediately. I think he can do it with a drug addict. They can be sober immediately after salvation. But we still, James chapter 3 talks about the tongue. Every single one of us have a problem with our tongue at times. That doesn't, that's not something we just get immediately. It's not just something that, it's just, well, we got it one day. No, it's going to take some devotion. And realizing and recognizing that, hey, I've got a problem in this area. I, I recognize that this is my issue. And I, Lord, I don't know how to fix this right now. But then I go to God's word and I use the mirror of God's word because I'm not satisfied with where I am. I'm devoted to God. I want to I grow in grace and I want to be better than what I am now so that I can serve God in a, in a larger role. But God, this is a struggle for me. So I'm going to focus on this. God, show me in your word how to fix this. And then over time, you will find that that won't be a problem anymore. But as you're evaluating yourself through God's word, as you're, as you're looking into the mirror of God's word, God will show you another area. Well, I didn't notice this before, God. God, I didn't see this before. Let's start the process over again. Let's do the same thing. God, I'm devoted to you. God, I'm devoted to fixing the issues in my life. God, I know I'm never going to attain, but I'm going to die trying. That's how we get Christians that are athletes, spiritual athletes. Thirdly, verse 13c, he says, And reaching forth, and uh, forgetting those things which are behind, excuse me, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. If we're going to be spiritual athletes, we're going to have to forget about the past. And by forget, I don't mean that physically you can forget. Most of the time, we can't physically forget the failures in our lives. We can't, physically. But the word forget, I looked it up in this passage, it doesn't actually mean to physically forget. It means to not be hindered by any longer. You're going to have the scars of what you've done before. They're going to go with you everywhere you go. I have them. I would, I would venture to say everyone in here has one, or has some, many maybe. You're never going to have rid of those. You're going to have to get to a place where those scars don't hinder your walk with God. You're going to have to learn to get to a place where when the devil throws that back in your face, you're going to say, nope, that's under the blood. I'm not, that's not important anymore because God, God forgave me of that. I've got a new direction. It's just like in the race. You're running a race. I'm, I, I'm running for a goal. I, I've, got a, I've got a mark in mind. I've got a place that I have to get to, and I want to be the, the first one there. I want to run my heart out, and I want to do my best to get there. But if I'm going the wrong way, I'm not going to get to the finish line. I mean, that's, that's trivial. That's simple. We have a lot of Christians that are stuck in the past. They're stuck in the, well, I can't serve God because one time I did this. I guarantee you God still has a place of service for you. I can't, do, I can't serve God because I have a problem with this. I guarantee you God has a place of service for you. If you'll just submit yourself to the service of God, there's no telling what God will do with you. 
The problem is, is we got Christians that won't submit to God. Do you remember when I began, I told you that the, the Philippians, what is the main, the, the main theme of the book? Is a, it's a submissive mind. We've got too many Christians that won't submit to God's will because they're stuck in the past. They're not willing to, to be dissatisfied with their, where their Christian life is because they, they find that this Christian walk is not easy. It's difficult. It's, it, sometimes it's hard to wake up in the morning and to open your Bible or come home from work late and you're exhausted. and you just Man, it's just hard sometimes to open my Bible. and It's easy to say, God, I'm exhausted today. I know, I know there's a lot of prayer requests that I need to be praying about, and I have prayer requests, but God, I'll meet with you tomorrow. We find that it's hard to be devoted. There's so many distractions in this world. There's distraction after distraction. We have cell phones. I can watch any video in the world. I can play any game I want. I can talk to anybody in the world. I spend more time doing this right here instead of opening this. And because we can't get our we can't be dissatisfied with our walk and we can't get devoted, we can't get in the right direction. And it all stems back to one thing. Our minds aren't right. We're not, we're not submitted to God. Fourthly, in verse 14, he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press is the picture of a hunter eagerly pursuing a prey. Eagerly. He's, imagine somebody who's dying of starvation. He, his family needs food and he knows that there's a deer or something just over the next hill and he's pressing to get that because he's got he's to he's feed his family. He's got to feed himself so that they don't die. He's got he's to get the prey. Say, well, that's, what, what, is, what does that matter? You will 100% almost guarantee you lose your family if you don't stay in God's word. If you're not going to walk with God, don't be surprised when you lose everything. If father, it's, it falls on fathers. Fathers, if we're not going to be the men that God designs for us, that has designed us to be, if, if we're not going to be the spiritual leaders of our home, don't be surprised when it all falls apart. Because my job... I'm depressed. I'm depressed towards the mark. That's my job. My, I, I want my wife to walk with God, and I want her to have a, a, a personal walk with God, and that's important that ladies do, but it's very important that men do. If you find that in a bus ministry, and I have nothing against bus ministry, but if you lead a child to the Lord, do you know there's a 3% chance that the whole family will get saved? Do you know if you lead the mother of a child to the Lord, there's a 30% chance that the whole family will get saved? Guess what the percentage of is if you win the father? It's 97%. 97% of a chance that you will win the entire family if you can win a father to Christ. It's important, men, that we press towards the mark. If you want to lead your family correctly, you're going to have to get right with God. I'm going to have to get right with God. We're going to have to remember how, how, how to pray. We're going to have to remember how to be devoted to, to Christ. And in, de, in that devotion, we find that there's a lot of faith that goes on. Not just physical faith, but faithfulness of reading my Bible, of praying, 
I suggest you get you a, a prayer list. It doesn't have to be glamorous, but you need to pray over it daily. You need, to, you need to get that open forum with God where you can talk with Him openly. Be honest with Him. Because I have a mark. I have, I have a goal. I have Christ in my sights. I have heaven and eternity. And I, have the, and I can see a vision for my family that one day they will grow up and my, my children will be adults and they'll have children and my children will serve God and their children will serve God. That starts with me. I, I, I can't expect my children to do something that they haven't witnessed. What in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Wherefore we are uh, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I understand what it's talking about. It refers to chapter 11, which Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. It show, talks about the witness or the example that was set. But let's take it for word value. I'm, I'm, I've got five witnesses that watch my actions every single day. If I have one day that my direction isn't right, my devotion isn't right, and my dissatisfaction with my spiritual walk isn't right, they'll pick up on it, and they'll tell me about it. I used to have a big problem with music. I know every single worldly song from about 2000 to 2015. Almost every one of them. I can sing almost every one of them. I struggle with this. If I go in a store and I hear a song, it's hard for me not to hum along. It's, not, it's hard for me not to just kind of, you know, sing the words along. My children catch it every single time, and they chew me out. It's good. It's good. But the point is, is they, they recognize when, oh, I see something glittery, and I take my mind off of my goal. My goal is Christ. My goal is heaven. I'm not, a, I'm not a citizen of this country. I'm just a passing through. God placed me here to win souls and to do his will. That's my job. The whole duty of man is to fear the Lord and keep his commandments. That's my job. But when I'm walking through this world, if I look around at the things around me, and I get my mind off Christ, and I get my, set, my, my sights off of Christ, I'm not going to hit the mark that I had intended before. <clears throat> we need some Christians that are determined. Determined. God, I'm not going to take my eyes off of you. We've got to have some Christians that are determined that, God, I'm going to have a prayer life. God, I'm going to have a prayer list, and I'm going to pray over it every single day. We need Christians that will make a vow to God, not to anybody else. Nobody else needs to know about it. You need to make a vow to God. God, I'm going to read my Bible. This is my Bible time. And I will do everything in my power to keep this time. And then I know, and then I'm going to have prayer time at this time. God, this is the time that I'm going to set aside for you. And we need some Christians that are going to determine when they open their word, they're not going to argue with it. They're not going to say, well, I'm okay there. No, we need some Christians that are determined. That understand that my, my righteousness is as filthy rags. I'm never going to attain, but I can do my best. I can do my absolute best. <clears throat> Lastly, discipline. Verses 15 through 16, it says, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. 
Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. The word perfect isn't actual perfection. The word is translated as maturity. He's saying those that are mature. He says, let us, let us be, well, what does he say? I can't quote it. He says, anything you be, if, and if anything, ye be otherwise minded. It, I've already basically talked about it throughout the whole thing. The whole point of the book, the, the, not the whole point of the book, but the overview of the book is a submissive mind. If you're otherwise minded, if your mind is not submitted, you're not going to make it. You can, you can dabble in sin, but the little foxes spoil the vine. Be sure your sin will find you out. There is pleasure in a sin for a season, but after this, the judgment. We've got to have some discipline, Christians. Disciplined in your walk. Disciplined in your talk. Disciplined in your actions. I could tell you some pretty, um, pretty awful stories from camp, but I won't. But I had, to, I had to have some pretty serious discipline this week. Uh, individual uh, touched my wife, tried to fight a 16-year-old kid. It was all I could do not to hurt him. But I knew in the moment, as I'm going up to hit this man, I'm just going to be honest about it, I've, I'm a soldier, I like to fight, I cannot be, a, I can't anymore, I'm, I'm not to be a brawler. But as I'm going up to this man, I look around and there's teenagers, hundreds of them, and they know me. I'm a preacher of God's word, I'm their Sunday school teacher. I represent something bigger than myself. And if I go up to this man, and I give him what he deserves. What kind of man does that make me? Those kids look at me. They see an undisciplined Christian who stands up every day and preaches God's word to them. I become a heretic and a hypocrite. It hurts. I really still want to hit the guy. I'm still struggling. Y'all pray for me. I still want to hit this man. But I had to be disciplined in that moment enough to keep my anger and my emotions in check. We've got a lot of Christians that can't keep their mouth in check. We've got a lot of them. Sometimes it's better to just be silent. If you ain't got something nice to say, don't say it at all. That's what my mama taught me. I'm sure her mama taught her that. Why, why is it when we come into to church, we, there, we tend to have backbiting and and... and people talking about so-and-so and people saying something about another person and so we're undisciplined. We're not devoted. That, this is your brothers and sisters. This is the church body. This is God's body. This is the church body. Why would you, uh, my hand isn't going to gripe in my foot. The foot has a totally different job. A lot of times that's the irritation in churches. Well, so-and-so is not doing their job. Their job is different than yours. And it goes back to that, that dissatisfaction where I said you're, you, you can't be looking around at other people's walk. You can't be looking at other people. That's, that's not important what so, anybody else is doing. I'm not interested in what anybody else is doing. If everybody turns their back, I'm not going to quit what I'm doing. 
My, my spiritual walk is not dependent on any one individual. I don't hinge my spiritual walk on somebody. I have those that I, that I see as mentors, and I have those that I see as very close friends that I will go to and I will discuss Bible with, but if they fall away, I'm not going to. I know, I know what's at stake. I've got five kids whose lives are at stake. I've got a wife whose life is at stake. One day I'm going to have grandchildren who need to see a legacy of a man that will, would serve God and do what God wanted in his life. And he wasn't satisfied with just enough. He wasn't satisfied with just barely skating by. He was devoted to something bigger than himself. He had a direction, a place that he was going for Christ. And, it, and nothing else mattered. And he, he, he loved his family and he took care of his family. But he led his family in that same direction. He had determination. He was determined to serve God through the thick and through the thin. And he was disciplined in his walk. Disciplined. I think that's my weakest point. Discipline is my weakest point. It is so hard. And I already said it. Sometimes when you come home, it's 100 degrees outside. You've been working all day. You're exhausted. I got to get up at 4.30 in the morning, so I, I don't have time to read in the morning, so I have to do it when I get home. So I get home, I'm exhausted. I got to take a shower. The kids want to play. The kid, my wife needs something. I, I've got this to do. I've got that to do. It's hard to stay disciplined to open the mirror of God's word and then go back to point number one and remember to be dissatisfied with where I am because you're never going to find satisfaction outside of this right here. You're, you're never going to find something worth being devoted to outside of this right here. You're never going to find a, a better direction for your life than this right here. I, I, I'm amazed with the, the liberal agenda, how, well, this is the direction that the country should go, and I see nothing but ruin and ashes. Everything they touch, they destroy. I don't understand how people can say, this is the direction that we should go. This is the direction I'm going. This is the direction I'm going. I don't care if anybody else goes. I'm, this is my direction. And I'm determined that I'm going to stand on God's word for my family's sake, for my church's sake, for those who see me's sake, for the individuals in Walmart that haven't seen, that have, that have no clue anything about Christ, that I may be the only Bible they ever read by my testimony and the way I carry myself. I'm determined to be that. And I'm determined to work on my discipline. It's not enough just to run hard. It's not enough. Christ died on the cross for me. Imagine if Christ would have said, well, I just don't feel like it today. No, Jesus in the garden, he said, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. He said, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do what God wanted me to do. That's where I need to be. That's where we need to be as Christians. I pray that we can take what Paul wrote here and we can become better athletes better spiritual athletes for Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for today, God. I thank you for many blessings, Lord. I thank, you for the, 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 I thank you for your word, God. I just pray that you'll bless this morning's service, Lord. I pray that you'll stand with me as I preach, God. I pray that it won't be me that's speaking, but you speaking to the hearts of individuals, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for all you do, God. I pray that you'll help us to be disciplined Christians that are not satisfied with where we are and help us to grow in grace, God. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen.